0: southwest to another edition another episode of club hockey southwest weekly scott strandy joining you from scottsdale arizona this evening my co-host steven marsh from beautiful las vegas nevada steven how are you this evening
1: i am doing well it's uh what is it week nine i guess is it of this <laughs> oh look at that you jumped out rem- right away you beat me to <laughs> <laughs> i remembered this time uh but it's going well but uh looks like you guys are going to be able to have some sports here real soon looks like state arizona getting ready to allow sports to to happen there with uh without fans so that's exciting i guess if if any of the the sports can get going
0: (laughs) cross your fingers on that one because i just don't know i mean uh, i'm a little hesitant that we may have jumped the gun and opened up things a little bit too early but that's not my call so i'll just try to be as uh, safe and cautious as i can but you know, that's uh, that's a good thing. All kinds of stuff going on in the hockey world. More teams signing more players. Uh, the ACHA is going to have a little event on Sunday they will let you talk about here in just a minute. But Grand Canyon has joined the uh, the arms race, I'm calling it, with U of A and UNLV with the uh, the signing of players.
1: They have. Yes, they're trying to catch up, I guess, or they uh, <laughs> I was looking just before the show started. Here, it looks like I see about four, or f- four or five in the last few days that they've announced um, in the next, last few days of uh, players that they're going to be bringing, up, hoping to bring on.
0: I think Danny Roy might have moved to Minnesota and taken over Miles' spot or something because he's uh, plucking everybody that he can find from Minnesota. I see he's got a kid from Moorhead that just signed about an hour ago. Uh, he's got two from Brainerd, Minnesota, which is a hockey hotbed as well. Um, He picked up a kid from Proctor, Minnesota, which is uh, up by Duluth. Um, And then he uh, picked up another kid from Spicer, which is down by uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul area. So he's been busy there, but he's also been in Calgary. He's been to Grand Prairie. He's uh, got a kid from Clark, New Jersey. So it's going to be pretty interesting to see just how good these teams get. Before we jump into what you're going to tell me a little bit about on on what's going on Sunday night with the ACHA, we have well, a great guest tonight, somebody that uh, is a mutual friend of both of ours. You work a lot more with them now than than I did uh, back in the day when we first started this, but Dana Lane's going to join us from Dana Lane Sports.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. He's, I'm sure he's very uh, excited to be on the show. Uh, he does uh, the, the home games for, for UNLV hockey, the play-by-play, and and yes, he's, uh, he knows hockey very well. He's lived in Vegas a long time. And he's, as you call him, the Vegas hockey guru. And uh, he'll be uh, he'll look forward to having him on and getting his thoughts and his his uh, feelings about how everything is going and where he thinks this season's going to go and if we're even going to have a season and what his thoughts about all that is.
0: Well, I'll tell you, I, I met Dana before I even got started in this, uh, in this real business. As I was getting ready to start. Ice Time Hockey Southwest. I, I wanted to check out Vegas and see what it was all about. Uh, I went up there and I thought, who am I going to find? And I started searching. I saw this guy that was really into it. And it was Dana Lane. <laughs> and I said, you know what? Uh, I got to talk to him because he's the guy. Um, after I visited with him, Z asked me, he goes, hey, I heard you do an interview with Dana Lane. Is there any way you can hook me up with him? And I said, absolutely. So I gave uh, Dana a call. I said, hey, Z would like to talk to you. And uh, lo and behold, there, there became the voice of UNLV Rebel Hockey, and what there a fantastic you. job that he does. So looking forward to having Dana on and, and talking all kinds of sorts of uh, hockey stuff and sports stuff. And, and before you jump into your thing, like one more thing I do want to throw out there. Monday night, uh, we found out late after the show that the Arizona Coyotes have parted ways with their CEO and their CFO which uh, has a lot of people nervous down here in the, uh, the Valley of the sun. So hopefully um, good things to come, but uh, a good friend of mine, Aaron, Aaron Cohen did a fantastic job with the, uh, with the coyotes and was turning them around. So I really don't understand what happened there or, or uh, why he was uh, relieved of his duties, but it's a tough time right now. It could be financial. It could be other, we don't know, but uh, Best of luck to uh, Aaron Cohen as he uh, moves forward with uh, with other uh, endeavors. Okay. Well, and it's so,
1: tough to it's tough too because you know Air, you had the Coyotes, which for a while were down and they were having a whole bunch of problems with with financials and whether they were going to be able to stay in Arizona and everything. And then they got new owners. You know, guy has you know the guy that owns the team now is ties to Vegas, of course. Here and then and then you know and then you mentioned Cohen, which I don't know much about him, but but you know it seems like he's done a lot of good for the team as I've kind of read up a little bit on it and and so you, you, sometimes you just don't understand why decisions are made could be pandemic related could be other you know golden knights when they fired galant was kind of the same thing why why now that they fired Gallant, but now it seemed like maybe it was a good choice because they brought in DeBoer and the team seemed to really turn around after that so you know you just never know i guess and some sometimes
0: yeah you know the business world and we sometimes forget because yeah. of the fandom and stuff but it is a business and i'm mm-hmm. sure there are reasons on both sides of why things happen but the one thing that I thought with Aaron that really stuck out was he was there, uh, has been, had been there since 2015, so we were finally starting to see some stability within the, uh, the Phoenix area and the Arizona Coyotes and what he was doing with the grassroots effort to get fans in and youth hockey and all that good stuff. So it's going to be hard to see him go, but it is what it is, I guess, as they say, and we must move on. So let's move on to you telling us what's going on with the ACHA this Sunday night. Well, it's,
1: you know, every year in in most leagues, it's the ACHA as well. They have the, they have meetings that all the, you know, players or coaches and staff from the different teams will meet and they'll discuss, you know, the past season and talk about all what their plans for next season and give all the numbers and stuff. Well, this year, because they're not able to, you know, because of the pandemic, they usually hold these meetings in Naples, Florida. They weren't able to go to the meetings down there. So they're going to do a virtual town hall, I guess. It's going to be on Sunday um, it's for the uh, mem- it's for the co- coaches and staff members and those that are involved in in the ACHA programs. I think on all the levels, and uh, and they can uh, register on uh, through Zoom, and they'll get the link, and then Sunday they'll they'll be able to watch through Zoom. And the commissioner Greg Barrett uh, looks like ACHA uh, director uh, of hockey Strom I don't know, I can't see his last name, but um, but they're gonna they're gonna go over some stuff and and just kind of. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of this and maybe next week or so we might be able to get one of the, the other Southwest teams coaches in, or at least get some thoughts by text or something about maybe what was discussed, if anything's relevant that we can bring to this program. So we'll, we'll see if we can report back on anything that we may hear from, from anything that was discussed in there about what plans for next season are and just maybe where things stand in the ACHA.
0: Well, you know, we're, uh, as you said, week nine of the, uh, stay-at-home order, if you will, the pandemic and everything has taken over things. But as we also have talked, the uh, the hockey scene hasn't slowed down very much. I mean, other than NHL and AHL last week announcing that they were going to not uh, continue their season, that they were just going to cancel it out altogether. But, you know, the ACHA, uh, although they lost their national tournament, they kept building, they kept building, they kept getting players, they kept going on like uh, like they needed to. So it's uh, incredible that we're able to continue talking about hockey, even though it's uh, mid May and uh, there's no games being played.
1: Right. And you know, you can get you know, what, what I think we're being, what's being found out is obviously there's some aspects of offseason stuff that's hard to do. You know, not in person, but you can get a lot done these days with the technology that's out there. We've talked about this before with technology to do video calls, and just you know, a lot of companies are having their employees working from home, and and it seems to be almost working pretty pretty well. In fact, I think some companies, because of uh, you know maybe CUSC, whatever they're going to do, they might they might let some of their employees work from home more regularly going forward, even after this. So it's it'll be interesting. I think in sports, it's you know you obviously the in-person stuff is key, but I think you know something like this happening in a time like this, with we do have these these technologies that we have, it it makes you are still in a position where you can still get a lot done, even if you know the, the travel's limited or you know means are limited where you can't get together in, in person. But so yeah, that's 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 been a, that's been the most interesting thing about this. All It has been pretty busy, even though even though we're there's a lot of uncertainty about some things, but. That's just a testament of, I guess, the times that we're in right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about uh, not only club hockey, but, you know, uh, the Golden Knights got themselves a draft pick. It's agreed to terms in in Jack Dugan, who was, uh, I believe, runner-up for the Hobie Baker Award this year in college hockey. So congratulations to uh, to, uh, Jack for joining the group. And, you know, hopefully he'll be able to sign this contract and be able to move forward sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, let's take a quick break and let's come back with our uh, special guest, Dana Lane, in just a minute.
1: I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the Fortress.
0: Going to see the Golden Knights? No. Stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that Fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in.
1: Exactly
0: Visit us at mexicanmoonshine.com. Roger Klein's on Tequila. Award-winning taste since 2011.
1: Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive, too. Visit mdriveformen.com, and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at
0: checkout. We find your prime with M-Drive. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right year for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com.
2: Hi everybody, this is Jay from OxyPal. You probably know our products for being used on your gear to eliminate the odor and bacteria from sports gear and and your gym and all that stuff. Um, In in light of current events, uh, we have uh, switched up and added a new product to our production line. It's called our Have a Nice Day Hand Sanitizer. Um, It is exclusively for use on your skin, whereas our other uh, products have been exclusively for use on your fabrics and and, and gear. Uh, This product is available here at my shop. It's available on my website at www.oxipow.com. And you can pick it up or we can ship it to you anywhere in the United States.
0: All right. Welcome back in folks. Scott Strandy live in Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host Stephen Marsh from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. And it is certainly our pleasure to welcome in the Vegas hockey guru, (laughs) Mr. Dana Lane from Dana Lane Sports. Dana, how are you, my friend?
2: Well, Scott, it is awesome to talk to you. And I just want to make sure, did you run out of guests to ask to come on? Because I I know that we have talked before and I I know you've been doing this show for a long time and we've been friends, but I, I was getting to the point where I thought I'd get something to upset you. I'm like, Surely I can fill 30 minutes.
0: Oh yeah, we can go way past 30 minutes, buddy. Don't worry yes. about that. I
2: mean, honestly, Scott, I've been doing nothing for two months. You know, can... that's <laughs> all right.
1: That's what I was telling. That's what I was telling Scott. I said, let's let's get data on the show because right now he's probably got nothing else to do right now." When you, you like, you're like, when schedule...
2: you're you like, would you like to do a podcast? I'm like,
1: yes. <laughs> anything anything you can only take so, so much how's that korean baseball going data oh it uh, it, it's it's a lot of late nights i can tell you that I, I
2: there was a part of me that thought well maybe i'll try but when i saw the not only the cardboard cutouts behind home plate when I saw a cat and a dog cardboard cutout, I said, I'm out. I'm out. That's, that's it. And, and if you haven't seen that, make sure you, you grab a glimpse of Korean baseball because uh, it is. you see all these people. And if you see these cardboard cutouts, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but then to the right of the screen, there's cardboard cutouts of a cat and a dog. And I'm like, I, I don't understand what's going on here. So I can't take this Uh, seriously well well,
1: that might be coming to an MLB ballpark near you here in the in the next couple of months we'll have to see (laughs) Uh, yeah
2: for sure yeah that's going to be interesting it's a it is going to be a a tough deal because I I was just just got done watching a video that Blake Snell put out and I was all pro owners and and I actually I'm pro both sides I I see both sides of it I mean from Blake Snell's standpoint, and I'm sure he represents a lot of players in major league baseball. Um, hey, look, I I'm going out there, not only risking my life, I've already agreed to a 50% cut. I'm not only going to take a cut in money. I'm going to also be taxed on that money. And I'm also going to be quarantined from my family for, you know, as longer than any of these leagues have asked their players to be quarantined from. Cause you know, let's face it, if the NHL and, and the NBA get back to business, You know, they're they're really only going to be quarantined for, you know, what? I mean, the the length of a playoff, and then when you're out, you you get out? I mean, so they're not really asking a lot out of their players, uh, and there's not a lot left in each of their seasons if they decide to pick up the seasons. Uh, But Major League Baseball, that's a whole different story. I mean, they're asking them to be quarantined for 80 games, and, um, you know, I can see where a lot of players don't want to give up uh, don't want to give up their salary. But at the same time, from an owner's standpoint, you're like, well, okay, if you don't want to do that, then what's my motivation to get back on the field? Because I don't have fans, which is 40% of our revenue. And, you know, I, if you're a Pittsburgh Pirate owner, I mean, do you have any motivation to get back on the field? I mean, you have to you know. It, it's hard making ends meet now. So now you're going to take 40% of my revenue out. I, I don't know if I have a lot of uh, incentive to get back in the field anytime soon
0: yeah absolutely and that's that's a thing Dana. and before before we get into some real hardcore talk here uh, how are things how are you doing how's your family doing how have you guys survived this nine weeks of uh, a pandemic
2: well i mean we're uh, honestly we're really lucky i mean we um you know th- 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 we put away some money i mean my wife is still working um you know i mean we, we're fairly lucky in in that regard and i I, I hate to even say things like that because it's, I do feel for a lot of people that aren't, you know, lucky. And I, I see it every single day. I see people that are, are struggling and, uh, you know, they're waiting for their unemployment checks to come in or the stimulus checks to come in. And, you know, I, I really do feel for those people because I know, uh, you know, beforehand, before this all started, I mean, this economy, the first quarter of this year was on track to be the the greatest economy in the history of this country. I mean, it, the market was going to hit 30,000 points and everybody was going to make a lot of money and every unemployment has been absolutely plummeting over the last couple of years. So, you know, I really feel for those guys. And, um, you know, I, I just, I'm thankful every day that I hear little rumblings of, you know, this hotel is going to open. I I actually went out to dinner for the first time in two months the other day. So that was nice. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm really hopeful. And I like to hear, you know, like your state, is moving forward. Arizona, you know, I feel like Nevada is moving forward. I want Nevada to move forward, but I want them to do it safely because it's not so much about Nevada. I mean, the numbers here are are minuscule compared to other states, but the problem is we border a state in California that must be healthy before we fully open because they're all going to come here. And from what I hear, they're chomping at the bit to do so so we we have to provide a safe environment here but at the same time we have to make sure that the people coming to our state and our city are also safe so that that's it in a very large nutshell and I, and I hope you guys are doing well as as well i know it's not easy for anybody but i will say this guys it is really difficult without sports and we get to we have the opportunity to kind of step back and Realize how much sports means to us on a daily basis. Even though I know my Pirates will, you know, probably be out of the race now because it's the middle of May, um, you know. It, but we really—I I would give anything for an overpriced hot dog and another, you know, four-run
0: loss by the Pirates at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you know, Dana, we—I kind of looked at this as as different phases as well in the sports world, because I think when this all set in on what March 11th, 12th in that area, all the teams and all the coaches and players that I've talked to over the last uh, nine weeks, um, the first week or two, they were in shock. It was like, what hit us? Right. And then, then they went from a state of shock to acceptance in the acceptance of the form of, you know, it's happening to everybody, so yeah. nothing we can do about it. And then you have guys like Brinson Passionate down here with Arizona State that signed a or agreed to terms because nothing's been signed yet due to the the position they're in. So now he's at the point. But now I think the next phase that we're approaching is restlessness, right? The country, you saw that the 1st of May. Everybody wanted to get going again. But now I think pro athletes and prospective pro athletes are getting – that same restlessness—they want to do something. They want to keep going. Uh, Jack Duggan signed him with the Golden Knights. I mean, he didn't even know what to sign because he doesn't know <laughs> when his contract's going to start. Oh, yeah. What's your thoughts on that whole process?
2: Well, there is definite angst out there. I mean, that there is no doubt about it. I feel like I'm living in a, you know an episode of Dawson's Creek on a daily basis because we're we just are we want to move forward and we want you know we. we we want, you know, Joey to kiss Pacey, but it just is not happening yet. And we wake up every day hoping it's going to happen. I'm sorry I made that reference. Probably nobody knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Anyway, so these are quarantine references that I need to get out. Um, Because these are the shows that I have been reduced to watching after Tiger King.
1: I was going to yeah. say Tiger King. Yeah, right. Tiger King. Exactly. You're going to take someone's Tiger King, Live PD, and Judge Judy.
2: <laughs> the Marshy. I would never watch Tiger King on a normal basis. And I have, I've yet to be quarantined long enough where I'm going to dedicate seven hours of my life to this thing. But um, yeah, there's angst out there for sure. But it, but it has to be done right. And I know Arizona says, hey, we're open to business for professional sports. Florida says, hey, we're open to business for professional sports. Um, you know, this, this thing has to be done right. And I know professionally, I would love to get anything back on the air because obviously that would help myself personally. And uh, it is just, we have to do this thing right because the last thing we want to do is, is take it back again. And that's just, that's, I'm not sure that, you know, people are in a position where they would be able to handle such a thing. I mean, I, I, I think people are, people can handle a lot. But as long as, you know, there's a there's a beginning, a middle, and the end. And it, we don't want to go beginning, middle, and beginning beginning again. And that's where people really start to unravel a little bit. I think, you know, this this country, say what you want, um, this country is full of people that love a comeback story. They love to be part of a comeback story. And right now they're in the middle of a comeback story. They just don't want to go backwards again. And I think that's where – we have to rely on our leaders a little bit more and not say, Hey, we got to open this and open that. Well, guess what? Your next not on the line. If you open this too fast and there's a flare up and and this becomes a, you know, a major epidemic again in in various cities. So we do have to rely on our leaders as much as the people want this opened again, but it is nice, you know, Scott and Marsh that, you know, you, you get to see the NFL schedule. I mean, God love them. They look like they're moving forward. I love you know, the plan that the Miami Dolphins have in place. You, know, you have 15,000 people potentially watching games. I'm not sure they get too much more than that anyway. Um, that's not funny. They don't get a lot. It's a slow joke <laughs> oh, there. Oh, here. it
0: was funny. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, I know. But, I mean, if every stadium can do things like that, you know, we can we can kind of move forward and, and put this behind us. And the other thing that we have to worry about, too, is – you know, Dr. Fauci is on television every day, and Dr. Burke's talking about a flare-up in the fall, and that we have to be very mindful of that, Um, but but the good thing about that is we're able to handle any flare-up that comes in the fall a lot better than we did in the spring.
1: Well, then let me touch on that for a second, because you're talking about the fall, and, you know, there's reports, there's stories out there now, and we're seeing that some schools in California have already decided that some campuses they're not going to have in person classes in the fall and some and a couple mountain west schools are in the case and we, and we talk about you know UNLV and in the hockey season club hockey season or just fall sports in general i mean what do you feel like i mean do you feel like there's a realistic up, uh, realistic possibility that the sports could get delayed for the fall or do you think you think everything will work out and and we should be able to have a hockey season or the fall seasons uh, for the sports No,
2: I think there's a definite uh, chance that things are going to be delayed. And I think college football is is in a complete mess at this point. And this is why I worry about, you know, when I talk to various people around the ACHA and they're saying, well, you know, the league's kind of relying on college football to give them their guidance. And I'm like, well, the the SEC doesn't care about what the ACC is going to do. They're already moving forward. I mean, we've already heard that, uh, you know, Greg Sankey come out and say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to play our schedule and we're going to find some non-conference games and you know, they're going to try to piece it together. But as you mentioned, you know, there's four, I think three or four Mountain West conference schools that, you know, it's still up in the air, whether or not they're actually going to be able to play because of what, you know, California may extend another three months. That's going to be real difficult. And then you're talking about some other conferences that say, well, maybe we can do a home and home um, non-conference game to kind of fill the schedule. There was a, College football is a complete mess because you have all these conferences that are kind of making similar to the states, they're making their own decision. Uh, But unlike the states, they need each other to be able to fill out their schedule and meet their contractual obligations from a scheduling standpoint. Uh, I think from an ACHA standpoint, this is going to be very interesting what comes of this conference call on Sunday because. I just don't think you can follow college football at this point because right now it looks like you have separate businesses all over the country that are trying to determine what's best for them uh, and not the NCAA. So, uh, you know, we're going to have to see what happens with that. But when you have Fresno Fresno State, San Diego State, San Jose State, you know, when they all say that, you know, they potentially cannot play, well, then what do you do? I mean, and and certainly you need kids to come back to the – college campuses to play you can't play if there's no nobody on the college campuses I mean so these are all things that are going to have to be worked out I mean if you're a school like Notre Dame who's independent um, I mean you can name your own schedule that's great for Notre Dame but you know San Jose State and San Diego State and really even UNLV is affected as well so I don't think it, from an ACHA standpoint you could really point to college football. I know at first it was good. You know, it was kind of cut and dry if they play, we play, because that means there's students on campus. But ACHA is in a they're – they're on a different boat because this is, this is a league that relies on attendance. They need attendance. And if you don't have attendance in these arenas and you're not one of these schools that are monster fundraisers, I just don't know with knowing the cost of what it is to travel, even even 15 times a year. I just don't know how you possibly can have a season until you can have fans to generate that revenue. It just doesn't make fiscal sense.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Okay, so let's talk ACHA hockey because so many big things are happening. I joked with Coach Berman down at U of A and I I joked with uh, Coach Greener and I said, you guys are in an arms race with the talent that you're bringing in. But I want to step back because, Dana, you remember when you and I first met and uh, I remember you sitting on scaffolding at the ice center in Las Vegas.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for pointing out these moments, Scott.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, well, that's where it all started. But, man, oh, man. (laughs) Be honest with me. If I'd have told you, Dana Lane, five years from now, uh, from then, I should say, that we're going to be looking at the growth of hockey all over in the desert southwest, would you have thought I was crazy?
2: No, Scott, I haven't. I wouldn't because I've told you many, many times, if you just simply look at the geographical movement of the population – It is going from people that are tired of living in the Northeast and nothing against the Northeast. It just, if you've lived there, which I have, I'm from there, you know what it is. Well, they don't lose their love of the sport as they pass the Mississippi. They want to go to an area where there's not high taxes, where they don't have to shovel, where they don't have to worry about huge potholes in the road where they can actually make a living, but they still love the sport of hockey. And I think it was just a matter of Las Vegas being in a position just like we were when the NHL came here to say to the rest of the world, hey, this is a legitimate city. Our kids can count past 21. We do not live at valleys. This is a legitimate city where you can come to live and not only live, but you can thrive because of the lack of state income tax. And by the way, your back's going to feel better and you're going to be able to breathe because the air is not filled with humidity and and the, the constant barrage of mosquitoes that you get all summer. So- No, I wouldn't be surprised because I saw this coming a long time ago where there was a lot of of kids and families and and people that love the sport of hockey, but they just want to get out of that environment. And that's really what we're seeing right now.
0: All right. So let me follow that up quickly by saying uh, we know that these guys, that the growth was here. How about the competition level? You've had a chance to see as a play-by-play guy, you've seen – Uh, Mm -hmm. Arizona State you've seen U of A you've seen UNLV you've seen what Grand Canyon is building you've seen Utah you've seen all of those teams did you think the caliber of competition was going to continue to grow this quickly as well
2: well I mean I certainly had hoped I mean remember when I first started doing this UNLV was at a division two level and at that level Scott and, and Marsh you guys have seen enough to know that there was a definitive difference between the top and the bottom, or maybe the top and the mid-level teams. It's a huge difference, and I, I, I won't name the team, but I remember, you know, a team with a, with the nickname Miners came in here one time, and, and they were. You see, I really protect these guys, uh, and it got so bad that I remember our team, you know, UNLB was actually. Trying to convince them to keep on going. I mean, keep on playing. Don't give up. And UNLV, I think, put a twenty spot on them. But right there and then, I knew there is a big difference between the serious teams uh, in this league and, and the teams that are just kind of trying to, you know, field a team to, you know, potentially get more kids to come to their university. But um, but then when you get to the Division One level, well, that is big boy hockey. I, I don't care how you slice it. I know some people out there, they see, they hear club and they're like, oh, you know, what's that? It's that like intramurals. This is big boy hockey. And, and honestly, I would take, you know, the Adrians of the world and it, even the even Liberty. If you look at their program and what they do, and I know they have a little bit of a, you know, built-in advantage with ESPN and all that there. But
1: yeah.
2: the, their arena, their fan support, the, the way their game presentation is, I would put that up against, any division two team for sure. And, and a lot of division one teams. I mean, they do, a they literally do a fantastic job there. And I'm not, you know, I, I'm not saying that just cause UNLV opens up with them and I want, you know, All put right. a spotlight on them. They really do. If you watch their games, you're like, wow, they, that is, this is the way it's going to be done. And if you told me tomorrow, you know, Hey, Liberty's going to go division one. I, I would think, Oh yeah, I can see that. You know, it's, that wouldn't be a surprise like it was when Rhode Island said they're going to go uh, Division One. But, you know, I have never – I have not got a chance other than YouTube to see, like, Adrian. Uh, but I've seen Lyndon when I've seen Ohio. Of course, we've seen not State here a bunch. Arizona, uh, you know, Jamestown for sure. I mean, these are top-notch programs that they're not going to stay Division One ACHA forever. I mean, their sites are definitely, even Utah, their sites are definitely focused on moving forward. And I remember, you know, talking to various coaches last year and just saying, you know, we all need each other to do well because what's happening here is the seeds of a conference, a real Western, you know, West Coast conference, however you want to, you know, Mountain West or whatever you want what to label you want to put on it, the seeds of this conference is being built right now. So we need Utah to do well. We need Grand Canyon to do well. We need, uh, you know, the, the Minots if they would be in, but certainly Arizona, Arizona. I mean, look at the, the Western Collegiate uh, Hockey League right now. Look at that division, okay? You have Arizona, Arizona State, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Central Oklahoma, uh, Colorado, Colorado State, and, and Missouri State. Okay, well, you got five, what, five or six of those teams not including UNLV, they'll be number seven. Seven of those teams are ranked teams. That means they are the very best at that level in the ACHA Division I. Now, you can't tell me, fast forward, say five years, maybe seven years, you can't tell me there's not a conference there. I mean, UNLV, Arizona State already has a Division I program. Arizona, Oklahoma, I mean, there's a conference. And by the way, guys, a lot of people don't realize... UCLA, USC, uh, San Diego State—they all have teams. Now they're a little ways away, but we got the makings of something really special going on here. And Arizona State's leading the way, and I think UNLV is right
1: behind. Them. Well, I think you bring up a good point. You know, um, you look at uh, you look at Greg Powers down at uh, ASU at, at their NCAA team, and you know, Scott gets to talk to him a lot, and, and he's always he's a he's you know, a lot, of, a lot of teams, especially in this area, try to follow his model. And he certainly wants more teams in the West because they would cut down on their travel. You know, like this year with UNLV, uh, AS, or UNLV and, uh, you know, joining the Western Collegiate Hockey League and, and join Utah joining and, and, and Grand Canyon joining. there's going to be more teams in those conferences. So travel for Arizona and for ASU, it's going to be a lot less because you're playing teams within your, your region. But I like what you said about, Rooting for the other teams because even though you come in and you know if, if you're UNLV an and you want them to win or whatever, we, there's, there's good competition, you do want those teams to do well because you want you want you want the competition level to be high to say, hey, these are some really good teams. It's not just one team that stands out. You got like four or five, six teams that contend. You know, Scott and I always are asking one question to each other about how many teams can get into the tournament each year. Well, last, this year we would have had three in the Desert Southwest. We could, or, and this next year we could have four. On the, you know or, or next, maybe a next few years away we could have four if these teams all continue to, to improve so um, sure.
2: well the one thing about that marsh is i and it, you know i don't want to go down the the rankings and all that because you both <laughs> know my feelings on that but i will say this um you know you can't just say you know an east coast team is, is you know whenever you're going to rank them I in mean, michigan dearborn okay great they're you know, ranked five, six in the country, or Stony Brook, and we have seen Stony Brook play UNLV, of course. But you know, you have other teams: Indiana Tech, uh, you know, Drexel. I mean, those sorts of teams. You know, we really need people to that are capable of knowing what they're watching, and be able to decipher. Hey, look, this UNLV team—they—they uh, got—they're th- rolling three lines with quality goaltending. I really believe that, you know, X team is better than the other team. And, and so my point about that is there's such – I don't want to I'm, – I'm trying to dance around an East Coast bias thing, but I do not th- – I think there are way more people keeping an eye on what's going on back East or the traditional, you know, the Minot states, um, you know, because they've earned it for sure. But at the same time, there's only so much time to go around, and I think there are a lot of teams out west that are being overlooked and not really, you know, they they have big victories and they don't move in the standings, or they lose a one-goal game and they and they drop five spots. And I understand there's a you know a computer-generated way that you know these these rankings are done, uh, but I also think there has to be a human element, uh, perhaps a, a panel or you know, two or three people that are assigned nothing but to to the West and I or, you know, to each each region of the country. But I do think like five, probably six or seven years ago, that's the way they used to do it. I believe that the rankings um, used to be by region. And and so whoever was voting at at the time on those regions, I I think that's just a, a much better way to do things. Uh, rather than having people or or a computer try to guess because, you know, computers can't tell that, you know, a brand new goaltender just came into UNLV, you know, and Anderson comes in and all of a sudden the light switch goes on for this team and, and, you know, they put that nine game losing streak behind them. I mean, the computers can't understand what's going on, but if you're watching, you certainly understand, well, shoot, uh, UNLV was on an incredible run when this season came to an abrupt halt. So at this time, do I think they're better than team B? Yeah, probably so. But you would never know that if you're just relying on an algorithm.
0: You know, Dana, that's a really good point. And you and I have talked about the rankings uh, for five years. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And and we've done more than talk about them, but uh, that's a crazy part of ACHA. And I I wonder if it's it's getting to a different level you know, not only the competition's getting better, certainly out here, but, you know, the Western Collegiate Hockey League now is is taking some some more teams in, and they're also taking a little more pride in, in making sure that everybody knows that they've won a few national championships and that their competition level is really good. We had Chris Perry on about a month ago now, and I asked him, I said, is it feasible to think that we could have four teams from the desert southwest from your conference even in the national tournament? He said, yeah, I, I, I think so. So, I mean, I think that's the case. But uh, before I jump off off of that bandwagon too far, um, I just want to ask you, when you, you said UNLV, because that's the question we get, is UNLV ever going to be an NCAA team? And you look at Vegas and you look at all the ice sheets that are coming into Vegas and Henderson area, and, and you go like, man, it, it would seem like it's a natural jump. In your opinion, is it close?
2: No, <laughs> that that's my honest opinion. And, and Scott, do I want to tell you something different? Absolutely. I want to tell you something different, but you know, as well as I do, and I'm not saying, Hey, look in five or you know, three to five years, things can be completely different. If you're asking me right now today, are they close? No. And that's fine because hockey is expensive. And a lot of these, you know, programs need huge donors to put money into their program and and to get them started. And they need a place to play, you know, Arizona, Arizona state's been struggling with that a little bit. And finally, they've been able to overcome that. I mean, I don't know, Scott, I mean, if you asked, if you asked Greg Powers, would he have waited a year maybe to get to go to that level? Do you think he would have done that?
0: Um it's a different situation because he knew uh, what happened right away with the, with the large donor and the money coming in. But I, he also knew that he was going to take his lumps for a couple of years. He he knew that he'd have to be old. He'd have to be big. He'd have to be physical in, in what he did. So I don't know what he would really say on that if, if waiting a year or so, I know he also rode the momentum of an ACHA national championship. And every right. time I talk to Greg about that, he, he tells me three things. He said, in order to make the jump from ACHA to NCAA, you need three things. You obviously need your university to support you, which is the Title IX stuff and, and all that stuff. You, right. you need a facility and you need money. But the one thing that that he ties in there is you also need to be competitive. And he tells me time and time again, you need to win at the level you're at in order to make that jump. And he really believes that and I know that he's yes. driven that into Greener's head and, and Berman's and and Tate Green, you know, here knows what that what that's like and Danny Roy knows what that's like. So that's why you see these guys going all over the country and into Canada to recruit and bring in these players because they they all think they have to win a national championship at ACHA level before they can even take that next thought towards NCAA
2: well and they really do I, I mean and i don't you know i know there was a lot of talk uh, you know a few years ago about unlb going division 1 and i think that was just you know people people's excitement about you know that kind of potential but he's absolutely correct and that's why i said no we're not close unlb's not close now because the bottom line is is winning a national title and, and that should be the focus right now and can they do it absolutely they they have every you know have as much uh, a much a shot to do that as anybody else in in the top, you know, five to seven teams, but it does come down to money. Is there a large donor? Not that I know of. Is there a facility? Not that I know of yet. Of course, you know, that, you know, facilities are going up here every day, especially with the AHL team coming here. And the other thing about it, the other thing about it too, is you got to make sure that you have the capability to, and you have a plan to cultivate the fan base that you already have, because yeah, we think this is a great hockey town and yes it is, but golden Knights tickets are not inexpensive. Now you have an American hockey league team coming into the town that is also going to want the, the locals money. You got to make them to other, um, you know, to, you know, specifically the AHL team because now the AHL team is really your direct competition your AHL team is going to say the same thing that you are saying, uh, Hey, come and uh, get some, uh, you know, fan, you know, fan friendly opportunity to come and, you know, watch, you know, hockey and it's not going to cost you that much. Well, that's the same thing that the American hockey league is going to do as well. So I think they are a little ways away, but what they do need. And I, Talk to Anthony Greener about this a lot, and I'm a big believer in this. They need people that walk around and everything that comes out of their mouth is about winning a championship. Everything is about culture. Everything is about being positive and moving forward. There there could that's not only do you build a team that way, but you also build a fan base that way. Everything that comes out of the fan, the fan's mouth in New England is about winning a title. Every, everybody that, you know, you just get into that certain spot as a, as a organization where you expect yourself to not have a great season, but to compete for a title. And that's the next level where UNLB has to go. And when they complete that task and they're at that point, then people are going to really start buying in because what do people want to do? Well, we want to be part of a winner. And there's no guarantee the American Hockey League team is going to be a winner. There's no guarantee that the, that the Golden Knights will be a winner in three to five years. We have no idea what's going to happen. But as long as you build that culture and cultivate those relationships with your fans, they will always be there, and that's your bread and butter to get to the next level.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't, uh, I couldn't agree with you more on that. you're you're right on there, Dan. I wanna go ahead, Stephen. Oh, sorry, I must be a little. so I wanted, I that. Yeah. Oh,
1: Oh.
0: hold on. Hey, I'm here. Can you hear? Uh, you're breaking up a little bit, but I think you're coming back. So give, give it another shot. Okay. okay, I hear you. Uh, so, so I
1: wanted to, to ask you, Dan, you know, we look at the... Okay, so, good, good, good. We got all that. All right. Well, the, uh, next season, we, we talk about UL now, and we, you know, be coming off a really good second half of the season and obviously an abrupt end, but um, we look at next season. We don't know the full schedule. Uh, they haven't released it yet. They will, I think, in June, but we know that they're going to open the season in, in Liberty and get to play the number two team in the country, and we, and we know from over the years that they, they, they plan their schedule tough. They always plan the top teams and the top teams, and I'll do that for a reason. So we look at next season for UNLV and, and, and what the players have done this year and a lot of the teams coming back this season. Do you, where, how, far do you, how far do you think UNLV can go and how great of a season can UNLV have? If we have a season, let's say that we do, and we go forward. what's the expectation for next season?
2: Well, I, I think the sky's the limit, Marsh. I mean, it's uh, that's a fact. I mean, they've lost – uh, the, of the guys that they lost, they lost, uh, you know, Tristan Mayer. And I love Tristan, but, you know, he played in 22 games last year and had seven points. They lost Eric Ideson, who has battled injuries over the last two years. And, you know, they lost, you know, their major loss was Jake Sachs. And, you know, they lost my favorite player, Connor Hetzel. I mean, it's – but but Connor, even as a senior, there was, you know, very little point production. He was, you know, he was a guy that was – out there and took up some minutes and, you know, really worked hard on the ice and and fought hard in the corners. But, you know, from an offensive standpoint, outside of Jake, you know, they really, I mean, they, they, everybody's got another year on them. And we saw what they did. You remember, Marsh, we were there at City National. And maybe even before that, when Anderson came in and and beat Jamestown 1-0 at the Orleans Arena, to me – that was the turning point of the UNLV season, and what really ignited them was that game after Grand Canyon, where when they played Minot State, and that was the fastest I've ever, the fastest and the most confident that I have ever seen this team. And of course, they they went on to have a you know phenomenal second half, and I really think they would have made a lot of noise in the national tournament. And you know, talking to you know, the Coach Greener, I mean, these guys that they're bringing in, he's very excited about what they potentially could could be next year. I know he's he's excited about getting a little bit bigger, which we've talked about, you know, quite a bit. But, you know, their bread and butter guys are, are still coming back and they look good on the defensive end. And it looks like Baz is going to be back. I know that was kind of up in the air a little bit. Um, so I think, you know, it, it, they are thin at goaltending at least that we know of. Um, So uh, uh, Vendetto came in, Vince Vendetto came in and he's going to also, he's going to compete for for the top spot. Uh, But I don't, you know, I think that that top spot is is pretty much taken up, but I, I, Hey, I I would tell you you guys know, I would tell you, I'm totally honest with you. uh, When you ask me questions, if I didn't think that they can complete compete for a national title next year, I certainly would tell you. Um, But, I think that there is a de- general feeling that, you know, they got robbed because they were as hot as anybody in the ACHA going in, uh, going into that national tournament in the last few games.
0: All right. Two-fold question for me here before we wind things up. But the, the first one, Dana, is let, let's look at our crystal ball. Let's say that the season goes off as, uh, as we all hope. Let's say there's a national tournament. Let's even look a little farther. Let's say UNLV wins a national tournament. Greg Bowers will always tell me that uh, he, he didn't really believe that his, his team was going to pick up a donor that big of a donor right after winning that national championship. And it happened like almost the next day. And the, the funds were transferred to the university very, very quickly. If UNLV were to get in that same position this coming spring, Is that something that you think somebody would step up or do you think it's still too far away, even if they were to put it all together and win right now? Because we know you guys have the facilities coming in. I mean, we know it's not long until that that new building in Henderson comes up um, and the Orleans is being used right now or will be used by the AHL team. So what's your thoughts on that? Could it happen that quickly? Could we give that much insight?
2: Well, anything is possible. Unfortunately, I'm not – privy to the conversations that they have with, you know, potential donors, but anything is certainly possible. I mean, people want to be part of the winner and, you know, everybody knows that we have more than enough people here that are capable of putting UNLV hockey on the map, which if anybody has that capability, I would say, Hey, you need to get involved in this right now because I think this is going to be probably, you know, honestly, and maybe I'm optimistic, but I think this is going to be a little bit hotter than say, uh, even the, uh, the American Hockey League team, just in its location of where it is. I mean, the AHL team is is not going to be – it's you know, it's not even going to be in Las Vegas. So, you know, from a UNLV standpoint, they're already in a place right now, at least, that people are used to going to. And I think you already have a built-in fan base, and you still have to build one with the American Hockey League team. Um, as far as getting a, a donor to step up right right away, I mean, why not? I mean we're we're certainly in a town where they there's a bunch of people that can do that, and i wouldn't I wouldn't put it past anybody, but it is very important uh and why I said earlier, you know I'm not privy to those conversations and and hopefully I will be soon you know the fact of the, fact of the matter is that you know you need to start working on those people now, and we know who the major players are in in the in the town, and it is but again, you got to have somebody that, you know, knows how to build relationships and knows how, you know, puts a plan in front of somebody. This is how we want you to be involved with our program, how we want to put you on the map. And I'll tell you another thing, Scott, I mean, we know, um, you know, budget wise for UNLB, not a, not a good seven to 10 days where we still are looking at, you know, exactly where the university's money is, is going to be spent. I know one thing, I know they're really banking on UNLV football to start bringing in some money. And even though that they were going to have to create a, a female sport to accompany a Division One hockey team, uh, that football program gets rolling. Money's coming into this university, and and you have to be blind if you don't see the potential of what a hockey team could bring in uh, to this university because, honestly, I could point to – I can point to many division one sports right now at the university that don't come close to drawing the amount of people that a club sport does. And if you're not recognizing that, then I'm not sure how you're, you know, uh, running the department. I'm sure they are. And I'm not saying they're not, but this has potential. This is, this is, this university has something special. They have a relationship, not only with the sport, but the people that have supported it over the last three or four years, there is no other, I mean, I, God, guys, I love baseball and I love the job they're doing. And I think, you know, the sky's the limit for that program over there. They don't draw what UNLV hockey does. That's an absolute fact.
0: (laughs) Okay. So you answered the second part of it. So the reason I brought up the first part, Dana, was we saw Long Island university jump on board out of the middle of nowhere. The first call when I saw they went in was to to Greg Powers to find out what he knew, and he said nothing. I knew nothing about it. I said, "Are you going to be Are you going to be trying to schedule them?" Uh, He said, "That that's a possibility." Then I talked to Coach Greener, and he said, "We'll play them if they need if they need a hybrid season. We'll play them." Yeah, they tweeted that too. They they tweeted that
1: too. They they said we'll play. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so like that's the last two teams to join the NCAA were ASU and now Long Island University. They both did it different ways, but uh, it it seems like there's there's little roadmaps out there. Whether you choose the Long Island way or you choose the the Arizona State way, they're there, and I think that's that's what I think the optimism is when you talk to NCAA people. And in just a little tidbit, um, I, I've heard rumblings of Alaska talking to a lot of the ACHA teams in the West to find out where they stand. And uh, there's even been rumblings that the Alaska school, I can't remember if it's Anchorage or Fairbanks that comes here. uh, I think it's Fairbanks that comes here this year to play ASU, might even play an exhibition game if it gets approved by the NCAA against Grand Canyon, like on the Wednesday night before they play ASU on the weekend. So that's uh, another thing to keep your eyes on is that the, those schools, the Alaskas, and, and that uh, suffered the breakup of the WCHA uh, is, is going to be looking to try to form that conference you were talking about earlier to include themselves as well.
2: Well, it, I mean, that would be great for Alaska because, I mean, we know that both Alaska and Fairbanks, uh, both of the Alaska schools were in the same conference with Notre Dame at one point. <laughs> you just can't, I, right. I believe those two schools, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I believe those two schools had merged or had at one point their hockey program. it, it was no, just, they're, that the,
0: they're separate, they're separate now again, but yeah, they had merged, I believe at one they point. They had at
2: one point. Right. So it's just, you cannot be playing in the same conference as Notre Dame and Ohio state and Michigan to make it, you know, make it feasible. But, you know, for Alaska, I mean, honestly, if they could get the minor states of the world and, you know, whoever else, I don't know if it could trickle all the way down to Vegas, but, hey, the Wranglers used to play the Aces all the time. They played three games in three nights. I mean, it's that would be a godsend for, those, for that university if they could get some West Coast ACHA teams to make the leap. But you're right. I mean, hey, Scott, the veins are growing. The veins are growing. And finally, the, there is going to be a time where they find the heart. This is it's inevitable. This is not going to stay an ACHA part of the part of the world. There's just too much potential. There's too much talent, and and honestly, there's too many AC. There's too many Division One teams out here. You know, like Colorado, if they ever went to went to Division One, or you know, Colorado State. I mean, there's just there's just too many seeds of what could be already planted in the ground. There's no doubt in my mind, and, and ASU. Good on them because they were, you know, they were the first one to pop up over, you know, through the soil. I'm making a lot of garden references, but uh, they were the first ones, and now they they really they are the beacon for the rest of this part of the country to come join them. And if they could do that, that's just going to make everybody successful because Arizona State, you know, financially just can't fly. You know, it's just you can't fly these kids all around the country just because you got nobody in your proximity to play.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, Well, we're running out of time, but I wanted to just uh, thank you for joining us, Dana. You're always great insight. Um, As long as you're quarantined, we're going to keep bugging you, so don't be surprised if we uh, we try to plug you a lot more often.
2: Yeah, don't uh, feel free because I'm just feeding a durable and I'm watching games from 1960. And you know, I mean, it's I'm telling you, if I if I have to wear if I have to watch square tv replays <laughs> on my 70 inch tv anymore i'm gonna absolutely
1: go insane well, i mean
2: I, I am so tired of watching old games it's driving well, me fs1
1: is really stretchy because they keep playing old this week in baseball shows from the 80s like who cares what on baseball back in the 80s but, oh, yeah. but it does appreciate you how great that show was but still it's like okay it's like, well it seems so out of date but you know and then it's like and they keep showing the same – and they keep sharing I, the same hockey games over and over, like seeing the Kings win the Stanley Cup, all the playoff games, the great playoff games in the last five years. They keep showing those 50 times, so you can only take so much. I, I cannot I, – you know,
2: look, I I love watching this stuff. I cannot – there's two things that I watched during this quarantine that that got my attention. First of all, watching the 92, 92 Dream Team, that was pretty yeah. interesting, to watch right. that just – go up against guys that could barely pull their socks yeah. up. Uh, the second one was watching an 86, White Gooden against Nolan Ryan. That was pretty interesting because I, that was a uh, 86 NLCS uh, where that was a year that the, before the Mets went and played Boston. Um, that was really interesting to see that matchup because I had forgotten that those two had matched up. And so to watch them pitch again, but I, other than that, I, I am so tired of watching grainy TV. <laughs> I don't I am I'm tired of watching in 1960 Stanley Cup finals. I don't even want to watch you know they've played um, uh, you know the NFL uh, what, what's what's the station there that they you know the um, that they show all the games and just the touchdowns but you know they've been oh, playing the that. Yeah, the Reds of thanks. They've been playing that. Oh, I've been watching that a little bit but I am so ready to watch sports again and and just dive into it and talk about it, argue about it and all that stuff. Uh, It is, um, it's tough without it. It really is. I mean, I've had to talk to my kids way more than normal. (laughs) Uh, uh, I I had no idea all the problems they had.
0: Uh, r- rumor has it you didn't even know you had kids until this pandemic. <laughs>
2: See now that's a Twitter comment.
0: <laughs> yeah, All well,
1: right.
2: yeah, I'm like, wow, I had, I had three. That must have been during the Super Bowl when the extended <laughs> halftime was going
0: on. Dana Lane, thanks so much for stepping <laughs> in with us tonight. Uh, Stephen Marsh, as always, thanks for your uh, great insight. Club Hockey Selfless Weekly. We'll be back again next week, and we'll be talking more hockey all summer long, all the way to what we hope will be a a start of a season. So, again, thank you guys. Uh, Tune in again next week for another great show. Thanks
2: for having me. Appreciate it. Have a good week,
0: everyone.